Do you have a hard out, Tilly? Nope. I nope. kept the whole day open for you guys. So we can start that whenever. Can well, wait as long just, as you want. This just became a hostage situation. <laughs> <laughs> for ours now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. All right. Now we're getting ready to start. And all of a sudden I'm like, how do I use a computer? <laughs> Here it is. We're a mess. If you haven't noticed, Tilly, we are a I mess. I am too. It's fine. I feel right at home. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm much more. I just was getting ready to say I'm much more together than this, which is such a lie. <laughs> That's such a lie. Don't pretend. Oh my gosh. Okay, cool. All right. I have it up. Hello and welcome to a new Popsicle pop-up. Oh, it's been so long. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, Pop-up is an irregular series where the members of Popsicle, or some of them, gather to discuss something of great importance to us. And wow, do we have exactly that today. We have a very special guest, a very special friend of the podcast, and a very special person overall. Miss Tilly Bridges, to discuss her new book, Begin Transmission, the trans allegories of the matrix. It is so metal. We are so happy to have you here, Tilly. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be back. Yay. Um, to give you a little bit of background listeners on Tilly and uh, her amazing wife, Susan, and their incredible work they do together, um, Tilly and Susan Bridges are a writing and producing team who've been making award-winning scripted podcasts at PendantAudio.com for over a decade. Six of their shows were in Apple Podcasts Top 60 all-time most popular scripted sci-fi podcasts. No easy feat. Uh, they are writing currently for Monster High, were head writers for the 2021 Hugo Awards, and are head writers of the upcoming 2023 Nebula Awards. Their sci-fi comic Kill Switch is available now in trade paperback, and they also write for the Star Trek Adventures and Fallout role-playing games. I mean, we're talking heavy hitters in the sci-fi space. Um, and as a married trans woman, cis woman team, their stories explore personal identity and how we're all shaped by society, writing scripts that are fun, hope-fueled, sci-fi with a sprinkle of comedy. I mean, it doesn't get better than this. So fantastic. So, so excited to talk to you, Tilly, and to talk about this incredible book. Uh, before we do that, though, I'm going to introduce myself. <laughs> it's me, Kelly Sue. Um, the, the one who has it together all the time. Yeah. <laughs> our group, uh, we're two members short today. Um, so we have, I'll start with Claire, Claire Thorne. Uh, she just got back from Hawaii where she survived a monster spider. So we're really yeah. happy here. It was, I'm going to, eventually that story is going to turn into like a Godzilla sized spider attacking me from the ocean. Narrow. That's close enough. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then we also have Philip Kelly, our fearless producer, who is coming off of a super awesome dream where he took Phoebe Waller-Bridge to the prom. So uh, yeah, Phoebe, if you're listening to this, I'm still available. Uh, so please. He's still available for the prom. <laughs> yes, I am. I will go to the prom any day. I missed my proms. I'm happy to get a redo with Phoebe. Only with Phoebe. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, while we're waiting for Phoebe to take you to the prom. Might, might take a while. 
Uh, we're going to dive in and we're going to talk to our beautiful guest of honor, Silly Bridges. Um, <clears throat> so this book comes out this summer, yep. July. June 27th. June 27th is I, what I yep. I, you, um, I feel like you just started writing this book. Like, did you, it, this like turbo book. I mean, but I mean, I know you already have been writing and writing and writing and writing, but still I, I'm just so in awe of how quickly this book is coming out. Anyway, sorry. I'm well, just excited. It, it wasn't I'm really excited. Fast. It was pretty <laughs> fast. I mean, come on. I heard about a book and now there's going to be a book. It's yeah. like, boom. Anyway. How silly rolls. Sorry, um, I was excited. But actually, to that point, so again, and I had, we sort of spoke about this in our preamble before we started recording, but rewatching The Matrix with the understanding of it as a trans allegory really not only made me love it more, but I was like relating to it outside of it just being this, this incredible sci-fi sort of odyssey that I love. Um, especially coming off of the heels of the, most recent installation, which is of course Resurrections, came out in the summer of 21. Um I'm curious, when did you decide to start these in-depth Twitter threads that were sort of the the basis for this book? Was there a moment where you thought it's time? I'm I'm gonna do this. Um yeah, when it, it's when I got uh fed up with people continually asking me about it. Um, so I came out uh, publicly in the summer of 2020, and as part of that, um, I realized that as far as trans people go, and especially trans women, I'm incredibly privileged. I didn't lose any family or friends or home or job when I came out, and that alone um, gives me so much more privilege than most other trans women, especially, and I'm still very, very, very white. Um, so I have way more privilege than trans women of color and especially black trans women who have so much more to deal with. And so I wanted to use my privilege to help if I could. And I, I wasn't sure what to do, but I'm a writer. And that, so I figured maybe I could write something. So I started writing weekly essays under the hashtag trans Tuesday about the experience of transitioning and what it's like to exist as a trans person in this world and, and all the things that you don't notice about society and people until you're trans and on the other side of the gender binary. And not long after I started those, um, Lily and Lana Wachowski had finally uh, said publicly that they intended the, the Matrix movies to be trans allegories. And it was right after that that people started asking me, well, what the hell does that mean? What are they trying to say with them? Why are these allegories? How are they allegories? Because I'm a trans woman and I'm a screenwriter and I was already writing about it and I just kept getting asked all the time. Yeah. So I thought, fine, fine. I've always loved the movies. I will sit down and rewatch the first one so that I can write an essay about it. And that essay became five essays. And then I decided to do the rest of the, the series and it became 24. And so that wasn't my accidental book. I didn't intend to write a book, but uh, there was enough there. That was the surprising thing is that they went so much deeper and spoke so specifically to the trans experience in ways that I couldn't see before I was trans. And uh, it goes so much deeper than I think most people realize. And it just has so many important and vital things to say about the trans experience that no other media has really been able to do. So um, they're really important to the, the trans community. They're 
they're yeah they speak about us in ways that nothing else does absolutely what was your what was it like to see the matrix for the first time was that uh is that an experience that you call back to or was it something that you sort of you know came to realize as you were watching the movies and relating with them over time through the experience of you transitioning yeah, it was strange because I always, always loved the movies. I was always a big fan, even the sequels, which a lot of people would deride. I was like, no, they're really good. You just don't get it, man. Um, but I didn't understand why I connected with them so incredibly deeply on this like visceral level. And and that was long before I knew that I was trans. And so um, watching them again after transitioning and coming out, it was like seeing them with brand new eyes, right? It was like, this is why I connected with it. It's talking about me and my life and I didn't even realize. Mm. Um, so yeah, those first, the, the very first viewings that I saw back when they originally came out in theaters, um, it was just a very uh, emotional and weird experience because I didn't understand why they meant as much to me as they did. I mean, they're really good. And I'm like, well, it's more that, that than they're just really good movies. There's something else, you know, on a, a very deep level that spoke to me that I just didn't understand for a long time. I was I was talking before the podcast a little bit about my rewatching the third film last night and how when I first saw the film, I felt like I was missing a big piece of the movie. Like it, it didn't connect with me. I was just like, oh, I don't like uh, at the time, because my family is a religious background. I saw maybe some, you know, religious allegory there or something. Yeah. But even that I was kind of like, but that doesn't feel like doesn't feel like it's the crux of what's happening in the film. There was just so much after honestly reading a lot of your stuff and a lot of your Trans Tuesdays, watching it last night. There was something about the film that really blossomed for me. And it felt like that's like knowing that that is the allegory of the film now uh it hit a lot harder um and i'm i i i i would say to anybody you know maybe who's had the, that experience with the films reading tilly's writings uh is going to be i think enlightening it really is enlightening like i i read the first uh section of the book um and, and read started reading into the second section of the book uh, for the section film the second film and what i found really interesting um, just from your approach to like what you're writing is there's an earnestness there that it's like it feels like you just need to get this out like there's yeah. like and you you are there's so much of yourself in what you're you're not just talking about the movies you're really talking about yourself as well and I'm wondering in writing this were you afraid to share anything where you were were you excited to share things like like kind of like digging into all of this stuff and exploring it through the films. Like, how did you feel while going through this process? Um, I'd say probably a little exposed. Um, I yeah. do get kind of personal at times yeah. because the best way to illustrate uh, some of the things that they're talking about, which can be like, especially in the sequels, they get much more complex in terms of trans existence than the first one does. Yeah. And so in order to make that accessible to people, I I use examples from my life and, and things that I've gone through and the ways that they spoke to me specifically. And so in order, yeah, in order to do that, I did have to kind of uh, maybe get a little more open than I had intended on at the start. But again, yeah. um, 
that made me a little, I guess, a little uncomfortable, but, but I have, again, so much more privilege than so many other people. And I know that understanding as a trans person and as a cis person who wants to understand trans issues better and be a better ally, how important it is that people understand what these movies are saying. So like you, okay. So when I wrote the, the, the bits about the very first movie, uh, there was a gap of several months before I did the sequels. And I was talking about other trans issues in my trans Tuesdays, but just from those first ones being out there about the first movie, so many people contacted me to say, you just explain to me why I love these movies. My egg just cracked. And for people who don't know that eggs are in trans circles, there are people who don't know they're trans yet. And your egg cracking is you realizing you're trans. Mm. And I had trans people come to me and say that understanding what these movies were saying to them helped them in their transition. I had uh, cisgender parents coming to me and saying that that helped them understand their trans kids. And that meant so much to me that I that that it could help people just knowing how seen you are in a world that often doesn't see you or when it does see you uh, tries to harm you. Um, it's really, really important. And so I felt when I was writing about the sequels that if I had to get a little more personal than I wanted and expose myself a little more than I was comfortable with, it was worth it if it could help other people uh, in the ways that that the writing about the first movie did. So um, it was one of those things where I just had to suck it up and get through it because it was worth it for the good it could do for other folks. Yeah, and I, I think that's, I think that's something that people like myself, cisgendered white women, or whatever you know descriptor you are, it it, it goes so far that. Because I was reading your, you know, your your uh, Trans Tuesdays uh, for quite a while before you started the Matrix um, topic, and I think listening to a trans woman talk about body dysmorphia has been one of the most pivotal points for me, just as a cis woman dealing with body issues, um, yeah. to also like put just put a perspective around it and to go, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is still all just the same human experience that we're all right. having over and over and over again. Um, and all of that just to say that, you know, it, then going into, you know, um, all of the ways of the matrix is addressing all of these things. It, it, it inevitably means something to everyone um, along this line as well um i don't know that i can go any deeper than that at the moment but it just it's delightful i and then i i just am delighted by the fact that there's this there's this what four movies out there there's this franchise out there that is already established it, yeah. it's already in people's psyches and to get to like peel back the very thinly cover <laughs> yeah and look at it this way is just it's amazing because you you're you're not going to be able to cancel the matrix right like it's all yeah. it's there we all <laughs> we already understand it <laughs> yeah yeah 
it's you know we need movies um from marginalized people that are specifically about the marginalized experience that they go through and that tells their stories um for like every marginalized community but see the thing that always got me about uh the matrix films uh, after writing about the allegories is that they speak so specifically to being trans, but there's really not any trans people in them on screen. And that does bother me. But at the same time, at the time the movies were made, there's no way they could have done that. And even now, getting a movie made with a trans actor as a lead would be almost impossible, especially a giant sci-fi franchise. The studios just won't do it. Yeah. And so... It, because that they made it this allegory is what allowed this story to be told and get out there because mm -hmm. if they were on the surface and went to Warner Brothers and said we're going to tell a story about being trans very very thinly veiled through a sci-fi world there's no way they would have ever gotten the money to do it or, or been allowed to so um, there is something to be said for you know the way sci-fi and fantasy allow you to uh speak about these things in in allegory and metaphor in ways that the people that are paying you to make them maybe don't realize you're doing and so you can get mm -hmm. stories out there that otherwise you might not be able to yeah yeah i was reading <clears throat> uh i read about it all at the time and um certainly in, in preparation for having this conversation was uh doing some reading about um when um uh, I think Li it was Lily who was the one who had originally said this was our original intention, um, but the world wasn't ready. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that it speaks really to the power of allegory because, you know, when you look at like the, you know, the red pill being representative of hormone pills that were available at the time and blue pills. Yeah representative of antidepressants, which so many trans people were being prescribed as like the answer, right? Or the the solution to what they sure. were saying, which is so just wild to me. Um, that because of this allegorical nature, that sequence of the film has also been co-opted by like wild men's activists. Yep, yeah. And, what is so strange about this, and I talk about it a lot in the conversations we, we have um, on the Popsicle Pod as well, where it's like, when something is presented as an allegory, even the people that it isn't for are scooping it up unknowingly, right? Like, and making it like, well, this is what this is about. But the beauty of that is like, but don't you see that like, we can all connect to this experience this isn't a wrong experience. And because you're able to take it on and relate to it, that should clue you in to like, let's see this through a different lens and stop trying to stamp out all of these things that we just don't understand, which I feel yeah. is so indicative of the men's rights movement. It is, yes. Um, so I think that, yes, it's this powerful allegory, but also, the world still doesn't seem ready for these stories, right? Even all of these years later. I mean, yeah. we, but they're so needed, which is why this book is so exciting and such a, it's such a brave creation right now, especially with trans rights being attacked from all different directions every day. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm curious if you feel a sort of like, you had kind of touched on it where it's like, I'm fine to be a little bit uncomfortable if I'm going to be helping other people. But um, there's also got to be a sense of like, this is something that I have to do today and right now for this, for my community, for this community. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I, I, I think I even mentioned this in the book that I know that as soon as it's out there, I'm going to get letters from the men's rights dudes. And I told them don't, because I don't care what you have to say. I don't, I really don't. That's okay. They're too, they're too busy right now, Tilly, pouring out all of their Budweiser. So yes, they're not. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Ladies do spend their time, man. It's weird. (laughs) Yeah. The, the, the most amazing part of it, I guess, to me is that the Wachowskis saw them coming right in the first film and they called them out in the middle of the movie before those dudes were ever even finished watching the first movie they'd been called out about how wrong they were Mm. and it blows my mind that they don't see it Mm. and especially after the fourth one which almost addresses it on the surface about the appropriation and silencing of trans voices Mm. in the way that they've done yeah i mean art is subjective to everyone and you can take a lot of things from it, things that weren't intended, and especially in these Matrix movies that ha- have a lot to say about religion and philosophy and capitalism and aging and the way society views people who are different, you can get a lot from it other than the transness of it. But I, I've already had people, I still get people routinely who contact me after finding these threads and say, no. There's no way this could be trans. You're completely wrong. And they cannot, they're unequivocally cisgender men, almost all white. They cannot, in their minds, reconcile not being the center of the story. They cannot accept that two trans women could have made a trans movie. And that just blows my mind. Like there's no way in their in their heads they can see that that would happen. I don't, I don't understand that line of thinking at all. There's 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 one element in these movies. I know we're talking a bit about how you know there's universality about the film, and uh, yeah. on some level it connects with a lot of different people. But there are elements of these films that you know, in in reading your your threads, and I'm also listening to another audio book about how um, women of color and and trans people are treated by people of authority, and how that's mm-hmm. been terrible since the very beginning. Or um, you know, if you're uh, if you go out even just gender neutral, how people in authority will, you know, uh, um, come at you, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's scary. Yeah. And and there there is like, especially in the fourth film and, and revisiting the, um, through your, uh, your book, the, the first sequence um, or the sequence towards the end, when they go into the, uh, the, the hall and, you know, all the police, the police are there and they're, they're shooting these security guards and everything like that. Um, these people of authority are terrifying in fact to trans people and in this sort of in this instance and when when you have the people throwing themselves literally out windows to try to stop them like committing suicide uh in the fourth film it's terrifying like there's like it's it's genuinely this threat of like constant violence in these films coming at them or in the third film last night the the um the sentinels coming down in just waves uh like with the trans allegory in mind like i watching these films before knowing this it wasn't quite as visceral 
for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I kind do. Of, <laughs> and yeah. And, and like knowing yeah. these elements now, uh, it, it's, it's important. Like what you've written and what you've put together is so important, has been so important for me in, in realizing and understanding what the community is going through. Uh, yeah. And, and seeing a story like, like evolve in time with me or me evolve with the story uh, and kind of catching up, I guess, in some regards uh, has, has been really, I don't know, uh, enlightening experience for me. Like I, it's, it's hard. You can't go back. Like there, there's, no. yeah, there, there's a point where like, I've taken the pill, you know what I mean? That's the, that's and literally like, the I, point I, of the story. Know, yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. I, like it's, it's going to be, you know, if, if I go back, I am one of those people throwing myself out the window. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. yeah. It's once you know about the allegories and what they're saying, it you really can't watch them any other way. At least I can't. Um, yeah. I can't, I cannot watch them as a sci-fi movie anymore. I appreciate the sci-fi elements. I love the effects. I love the action, you know, but yeah, sure. they mean so much more. Like you said, it's so much more visceral. Like when you mentioned the, um, the attack on Zion, mm-hmm. um, that scene, that really long series of scenes, it's a really yeah. long sequence of the movie. Yeah. It's so beautiful and it's so well executed and the action is amazing and it's got great character moments and it physically hurts me to watch because I know what it stands for. And emotionally, it's so hard mm-hmm. and uh, it, it it hits you. It hits me. It probably hits most trans people really, really hard. And so it it is a much more visceral experience afterward. Um, but knowing that, I think it allows a lot of the the moments to have a weight that you might not have realized was there otherwise. That my favorite moment in the entire franchise is the 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 last coffee scene moment in the fourth movie where Neo and Trinity are doing everything in their power to connect and society is, all of society is doing everything they can to keep them apart because that is that is trans existence trying to keep you from yourself and fighting against all of society just to to unite and become the person that you want to be that you've always been that you were meant to be and so that moment um it's a great uh, sort of climax of the action and the character arcs, but in terms of the allegory across all four movies, it has the most weight of anything because it's the final culmination of what everything led to. And so, um, yeah, knowing it, knowing about the allegories really does change the way you look at almost all the scenes, I think. Well, I, I wonder, you know, you know, we're talking about the, the men's rights group and everything like that, not want like being upset or angry or whatever with not seeing themselves portrayed as the heroes on screen i wonder if there's an element of that where they don't want to admit that they've been the villains this whole time or the bad guys like how how could yeah how could we be the ones being oppressive or or evil or the bad guys like this can't be true I, i wonder if there's some something with that too um why you get a lot of people maybe ignoring the trans allegory here or denying simply denying it yeah i i mean i think for a lot of them probably um this is a subconscious thing that they haven't even realized that is there but um i talk about in the book multiple times how every agent cop guard 
security, FBI that you see through the entire franchise are all cis white men. Mm -hmm. And that's on purpose. It's showing you who is extracting power by keeping society in this false binary and oppressing trans people. And I'm sure that in their heads somewhere they have picked up on that, even if it's not consciously. And that's going to be hard to accept when you are someone who has been actively oppressing trans people. But I think it's also just as hard or maybe even harder to accept for the people out there who were not actively oppressing us, but were standing by to let it happen. Uh, mm -hmm. Not not standing up for us, not, not saying, hey, this is wrong and you need to stop it. Because um, this is something, again, discussed in the book uh, quite a lot. But what the movies are very correctly saying is that if you allow that to happen to us, you're part of the problem because you're what allows that bigotry against any marginalized group to, to exist because you're not giving the people who display that bigotry any consequences for those behaviors, for those beliefs, and that tacitly condones it. And therefore, you are you know just as culpable in what happens to these marginalized communities, in this case, very specifically trans people, because you're allowing it to happen to us. You're not trying to fight it so I think for a lot of people, that's probably even more difficult to accept because, you know, they think, well, I never, I don't hate trans people. I've never done anything to hurt a trans person. How is this my fault? But if you don't wake up to the injustices in our society and help those that are being oppressed, then you're the one who's allowing the the bad dudes to, to do what they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm just amazed at the power of allegory again. The fact that we're taught we've all seen these movies and have all appreciated um the degree to which it, you know, <clears throat> talks about other elements. And then just this knowledge, just this one, you know, little bit of 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 information that we now have can flip the entire story and make it something. It, let us realize that it's something so specific and you can't back out of that. And also it tells you that, yeah, this again is an absolute, like at the heart of the, like what it means to be a human, right? Like we're, we're again learning that being a human means all of these very complex things. And literally all it takes is, is, you know, to the, going back to the, the idea of the, the pills, right? Like all it really takes for anyone to get on the right side of all of this <laughs> is to just take that pill of understanding that, okay, this is, this is the human experience. Tilly's experience is the human experience and Kelly Sue's experience is the human yeah. experience and mine and everyone else. And there's, absolutely nothing to be afraid of in terms of just looking and seeing and going okay that's that specific human experience and it is so diverse we haven't even you know discovered all of the types of species of the human experience yet it's mm. it's like the ocean um and we're <sighs> culturally so afraid of it yeah. we're so afraid of anything that can't be um 
you know, categorized in as two things, obviously, since we're talking about gender here, but it's, it's so sad. I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm sadder about that than I am about humanity, you know, not figuring out that we're probably killing our planet right now or anything else because we're this, you know, at the end of the day, we're just this little tiny, like, you know, undetectable life form in the middle of a huge universe. And all we really have is this moment to understand who we are and we're just not doing it. That was a ramble. I'm sorry. I'm jet lagged. Oh, it was good. It was a ramble. (laughs) It was very good. And it's just the way this makes me feel like it just, (sighs) but that, I think that means that you're, you're picking up on at your core, the messages that the Wachowskis put into these movies, which is that trans stories are human stories. Mm -hmm. All human stories are human stories. We're all connected. We're not all that different. And the the way forward is together is to choose not to hate each other and accept each other for our differences because differences are beautiful but our differences are small even between trans people and cis people like the things trans people go through are unique to us but cis people go through so many things that are almost identical in so many ways and so you just if you can increase that understanding so that people know that I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard because you never, bigotry is such a weird thing. And it comes from, you know, fear that then makes you angry because you don't understand things or you're afraid of a lot of different things, but it's, it's overcoming that fear to, to just embrace the beauty of, of the diversity of human existence, because we're all humans. We're Mm -hmm. all just trying to get by. Yeah. And I think that, 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 I mean, it's so beautiful and it's, you know, it is that it's truth with a capital T, right? And I think that why there might be all of this pushback, particularly from these cis primarily white men who are saying there's no way these movies can be an allegory for this. Yeah. You know, that's, I think that it probably comes from that same, you know, what Claire was just describing, this sort of same, like, challenging inner sort of exploration that they don't want to do but they are like sort of like Phil was saying I've woken up now and they're saying there's no way that this is this I relate to it so there's no way it can be an allegory for something that I completely deny right is wrong right but even in that denial, it's sort of like, okay, well, it's already doing its work on you though, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And I hope, um, you know, definitely hope, and we're all, I, I think, you know, everybody on this podcast and likely, hopefully everybody listening to this podcast are out here fighting the good fight um, for more understanding and compassion and, and unity and support. Um, and I think that it really is only a matter of time for these groups that are now becoming fringe. Like these are not, this is not necessarily the mainstream. Like, yes, these groups have, you know, particular power right now in certain places in this, I guess you could still call it government. Um, (laughs) For lack of a better word. (laughs) 
Um, but it, it gives me a lot of hope that, that those tides are changing and, and so much of the work that you've put out from the podcast and the trans Tuesday essays and posts and this, yeah. these, this matrix allegory, like all of it is so important and so powerful. I mean, I think we've all seen at least one person in our Facebook realm be like, oh, wow, I've never, re- I did, I had no idea. This mm-hmm. really helped me to see this in a different way. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's so huge yeah, um, and takes so much courage because people are so shitty, especially on the internet. Um, <laughs> yeah, like it, it really like, um, I just, I can't say enough about it, which is why I was so excited that we got to host <laughs> you today. <laughs> You're very kind. Tilly, was there some part of the movie, like, or like a character or moment in the movie? I think this is what I was going to ask next. That like represented something really new and fresh for you, but like where you're like, oh, I had not yet thought about this in this way about my experience. I'd been living it, but I hadn't articulated it yet or thought of it yet. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, it just, I hadn't thought about that. That's a good question, Claire. Well done. <laughs> um, that did, that definitely like, paid off. It opened the yeah. door. Look at that. Good job, Claire. So in thinking about it, um, I think the part that surprised and spoke to me the most is the um, kind of small supporting character of Bane who appears a little bit in the second movie and is mostly in the third. Um, For folks who don't remember, he's a human in the real world who gets taken over by Smith. And in the allegory, he represents internalized transphobia, the the internalized transphobia that that Neo has to deal with if he's ever going to truly self-actualize and become Trinity, who is his self-actualization. And... That hit me really hard because all of us, trans, cis alike, we all have implicit biases worked into us by society that we don't even know are there, but you have to do the work to uncover them if you're ever going to root them out. Uh, A great example of this that I've seen other people use is to tell people to imagine a doctor uh, and then think about that doctor in your head and how many people made that doctor a woman or non-binary or trans? How many people made that doctor black or Hispanic? These are the implicit biases that, oh, a doctor, most people in their heads are probably going to imagine a cis white man because that's what we've been taught by society. Um, And so you have to root these things out. And I had, uh, I probably still have some that I haven't found internalized transphobia from being raised in a society that told me Uh, When I was a kid, they did not even tell me trans people existed, which is what made my childhood so hard. I didn't know trans was a thing I could be. That was just a normal thing people could be. And so I have all of these internalized things about trans people that I had to work out. And one of the most, uh, and I talk about this one in the book, um, the easiest one to explain is that uh, I'm exclusively attracted to women. I'm a lesbian, but I did not feel I could apply that to myself because I was trans. And I would at any point have stood up for other trans women 
who were exclusively attracted to women to say, yes, of course, if she says she's a lesbian, she is. She's a woman. She's attracted to women. That's what lesbians are. But I did not feel I got to apply it to myself because I was taught by society that that's not what lesbians were. They were cis women who were attracted to cis women. And even though the word cis was never there, it was always implied. And I had to work that out to come to terms with being able to call myself that, which is what I really am. So seeing that reflected through Bane and Neo having to deal with his own internalized transphobia in order to become his full true self uh, was really powerful for me. Um, the other part that didn't really speak to me um, personally, but that I thought was the most, possibly the, the most genius part of the entire allegory is what they do with the Merovingian who is a trans person that rejected their own transness. It's the path any trans person could have gone down if we chose not to accept ourselves. And they use him with such nuance and such uh, specificity to, to why someone might do that, what life would be like for you if you did, and how that differs from what happens when you accept your transness and exist in society as an out trans person. Um, it blows my mind as a writer uh, I mean, the whole series does the way they use the allegory. I don't know how they did it. It makes me so envious, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so, he's so good uh, the way they use him. And he was one of the things in the sequels that I never understood until I rewatched them to to examine the allegories. I was like, he's such a weird dude. And why is he there? What is this? What is this a, the whole thing going on with him? And now, yeah, I absolutely love uh, the way he's he's used so many times so specifically um there's so many examples of it but that, there's too many to talk about here that's why there's a book yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um there's one example that i would love for you to speak to just to listeners who are going to be obviously listening to this um because it was one of the it was one of the many <clears throat> kind of like sort of mind explosions for me is when yeah. you described um, and I, this was probably one of the first breakdowns that you did when you talk about the meaning, um, and well, I guess, yeah, the deeper meaning in the character of Cypher. Yeah. Uh, I would love if you could explain a little bit of that piece for the listeners who are listening now, who haven't had a chance to read this book or haven't had a chance to go through all of these amazing breakdowns, because it was like, holy shit. Like I always knew like, wow, Cypher's a piece of shit, but that like, he is, it really, when you were, when you went into it in, in that particular, um, in that particular one, I was really like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I have to go, I have to go deep with this now. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about that a little bit. Um, okay. So the basic, uh, conceit that you have to know going through all of these is that Almost all of the people and the characters around Neo are representations of different aspects of his own psyche. Mm -hmm. um, so Morpheus is his uh, subconscious and his superego, and Cypher is his id and um, his doubt, mm -hmm. uh, his doubt that he's trans in the first movie. A lot of other characters represent different doubts he has in the sequels. But in the first movie, Cypher is his doubt that he's trans. And um, so overcoming that doubt is what allows him to uh, transition. Oh. So um, a lot of the, 
this, what I figured out about the allegories comes from the fact that uh, the Wachowskis love what I call in the book to use super text, which is the opposite of subtext. It's so surface. It's so right there. And you right. can figure out a lot of this if you look at the meanings behind the characters' names. Mm -hmm. um, so like uh, Neo's dead name, Thomas Anderson, roughly translates to twin of the masculine. Uh, Neo means new. Uh, and cipher, a cipher is a code or uh, something along those lines that hides the truth. That's literally what a cipher is. It's, you know, like a code breaking with it's the, the truth is in there, but you have to crack the code to get through it. Yeah. Um, so his name is telling you right off the bat. And you see that reflected through the movie is, is his, uh, it would be so easy to just forget, or he just wants to go back to before he knew about mm -hmm. the matrix. And every trans person, I think, uh, who is not raised in a, a uh, welcoming open environment as a child where they can accept themselves from the start. But for everyone else, uh, you have this moment, probably multiple moments, it happens time and time again, at least it did for me, where uh, you're like, I wish that this was not the case. I don't want to be trans. I don't have to be trans if I don't want to be, which is not the truth, right? Uh, you don't get to choose whether you're trans or not. You can choose if you transition or not. You can choose to ignore it like the Merovingian, or you can choose to accept it like Neo. But um, so Cypher is, is, is insidious because he's always in our heads until we uh, can deal with him permanently. He's always there saying, think how much easier your life would be if you weren't trans. You'd just be cis like everyone else and no one would hate you and they wouldn't take your rights away. You wouldn't have people staring at you when you're out in public trying to figure out what your gender is. You won't have people misgendering you every time you you speak or look at them or talk to them. And wouldn't that be so much easier? And God, yes, it would. But it would also be harder because when you are trans and pretending to be cis, you're wearing a costume for your whole life. You're playing a part that you don't know how to play and don't want to play. And most of us, not all trans people, but most of us have gender dysphoria and um, it's really heavy and really weighty and really hard to deal with. And for some people, it causes actual physical pain. And um, your choice for most of us ends up becoming, do you want to be drowning in dysphoria for the rest of your life or do you want to be free and fly? And so while it's easier to go along with society telling you that you're cis and pretending to be cis in terms of how you move through the world, it's a much more difficult life to live internally. So to make the internal life, your actual life, what you want and what you have to be, you have to you have to reconcile that doubt. You have to deal with it. You have to overcome it. And that's that's what Cypher is all about. I kind of love that the the <laughs> visual depiction of of you know just saying oh i'm going to go and and uh ignore this and i'm going to just live my my gender dysphoria is eating a big you know like almost rare steak when cypher's meeting with agent smith, you know agent smith and yeah yeah this is what i want to be able to do it's <laughs> a great a great visual totally i'd rather be able to fly and flex the world around me that's awesome uh <laughs> there's a just because i think the third film is on my mind just because i watched it last night yeah. there 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 are two there, there are two characters um specifically the uh the captain who mans the uh the artillery i can't think of his name right now 
uh, who's one of the last men standing, Captain, um, and then the young, uh, uh, the young boy who's like reloading him, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of their names right now. Uh, the um, kid is only just ever referred to as the kid. Kid, yeah. Yeah, but I think um, you're thinking of um, Mifune. Yes, Mifune. Yes, that's yes. You said yeah, yeah, because obviously Toshiro Mifune. It's it, like the, the minute they said it in the movie last night, I'm like, hey, wait a second. That's one of my favorite <laughs> actors. Um, no, there's there's a line they share, you know, after Mifune's been downed, essentially, uh, where where the kid goes. Uh, you know, I I haven't even finished training, and Mufune goes, "Yeah, neither did I." That spoke like a lot. Uh, like, uh, I I would think that once you make a step like that, there's just no. Everybody's experience is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. In the transitioning and and things like that, and you like the community is important and you, you need to be there for each other, which is one of the big points you make in the book, which is, you know, great. And that the films really make, you know, Zion, everybody's there for each other. And one of the big lessons that I feel like I pulled from those just two lines is that you're still kind of winging it as you go a little bit, like you yeah. still, you just have to do it. Uh, and that's the best way to go about doing it is, is just to do it. Um, the only way to, to fight back against oppression is just you, you may not know how to fight back against oppression. You may not know the way to stop the oppression. You just do it. Um, you know, uh, I don't think there's any sort of. There, there's definitely, as you've shown with the book, there's a manual where we can come to understand more deeply what's going on in the you know, the trans world and trans community and in transitioning and, and there are, there's information and things out there like that. But at the same time, it's never going to, I feel like it's never going to, you have to make that decision to step out. Like there's nothing's going to tell you exactly what the path is to make any of this better. You just have to start making it better. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is what I'm saying making sense? Mm -hmm. And I, I Absolutely. feel like those two I, words were really powerful to me, those yeah. two lines especially. I mean, it speaks to to both um, trans people and cis people in different ways. And like with, with trans people, it's um, when you begin transition, it's, it's really um, difficult and scary because you don't know what's going to happen on the other side. You don't know what's going to come out of it. Like if you start hormone replacement therapy, um, there's, you know, dozens of different ways to do it. There's no one right way. And everybody's body responds differently to hormones. So you don't even know if they're going to work for you, if they're going to give you the changes that you want. Um, you don't know uh, socially how things are going to go. You don't know what life is going to be like because it's a, an experience you haven't gotten to live yet. So it's a very scary step that you have to choose to do anyway, not knowing where the end is going to be. If you'll even get there, some people don't know if if their transition will ever be quote unquote over you don't know where the end is if there is an end it might be a, a lifelong thing where you're constantly changing and adjusting and 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 tweaking things or you may get to a point where you're like this is it i'm done this is perfectly me and i don't need any more but you there's no way no way to know that ahead of time you have to choose to make that step anyway and the, the flip side of that uh in terms of cis people and allyship is that i see a lot of times um, there are some cis folks who want to be allies, but are afraid that they're going to do the wrong thing. 
that they're going to say the wrong thing, that they're going to mess up. And you know what? Sometimes that's going to happen. It happens to trans people trying to be allies to other trans people because we're all human. We make mistakes. But you have to realize that imperfect allyship is better than no allyship. You have to do something. You have to try. That's all trans people want you to do. And and if if you slightly mess up and somebody corrects you on something, you know, don't get defensive or don't take it personally. Just just learn and do better, which is the only thing any of us can do to any. If you want to be an ally to any marginalized community, that's how you do it. Right. You listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to listen to them and believe what they tell you and and do what they ask of you that will be of the most help to them. Yes. And so perhaps, I, perhaps you're saying, Tilly, that just like you're not knowing whether your transitioning will ever end or not as an ally, I don't really know that my transition <laughs> to understanding what a trans person goes through is ever going to end. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. That's, that's, well, that's. I feel also too, kind of what you described, you know, the stakes are obviously extremely high right now for, yeah. for our, for the trans community and the people yeah. that trans community the stakes are really high but what you're describing is like that's just like being a person yeah exactly like the way that you love the people in your life you're gonna fuck that up yeah we all make mistakes you're gonna mess that up a whole bunch oh boy i have so many times i look back i'm like i should have done that better as a mom but you know we learn (laughs) and you do better next time yeah exactly I definitely, I definitely felt that fear of making a mistake at the beginning of your, like after initially hearing that you were going to go through the the transition, Tilly, I was very, the first thing I was very afraid of was like, oh, my brain is slow and dumb and I'm going to misgender her at some point and I'm going to feel horrible. And it, it, that felt very terrifying to me, but that has morphed into a mindset that now questions things before I, I think of them. And when I think of things like the, the whole struggle, and I put that in air quotes around pronouns, right. And using yeah. <laughs> pronouns, the, the, the question is not getting the pronoun correctly. The question for society. And I think where I'm finding myself now is the idea of pronouns is really the idea of, of realizing and training yourself out of assuming that you know someone's gender identity, right? Yep. No matter how clearly you think it is, 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 you know, portrayed because you don't know that person and you don't know their ability to even accept or, or portray who they really are. Um, and that's just that I, you know, I don't know where I am in that process. And I don't know what that means to whether or not I remember to use a right pronoun or not or whatever, but that, that just makes my life richer, right? Like, again, I come back to this point of like the knowing that that is the case is kind of amazing because it, it just makes all of humanity so much more interesting. <laughs> right off the bat like we're so much more interesting than we give ourselves credit for yeah um and we get to in these in this conversation and through so much of what you have written 
Tilly. I think what it offers people, regardless of how they identify, whether they're trans or cis or non-binary or, or whatever, um, it really invites you into a deeper intimacy with yourself as a result of reading your experience and reading about um, just, you know, to bring it back to the matrix, looking at the matrix and being like, this is helping me to know me. Yeah. Even more. It's an invitation to really be like, to get in there and, and ask about my, my biases and ask about, well, how do I feel dysphoria in my life? That is a whole new question for me. That yeah. it's a beautiful, you know, like Claire had said, such a rich inventory that I would have not otherwise done, you know, and yeah. the matrix is so powerful for all of those things. And for so many other reasons. And, um, I think that that is something that will ultimately like not to be hyperbolic, but it's like this conversation is like what can save the world, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because as people become as people create an intimacy with themselves, which is the challenge I think we see with the cis white men, they have no tools for that. Yeah. We're taught that we're probably actively conditioned against that. Absolutely. And it feels like a threat. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Once but you, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, Phil, no. as cis white man, please. <laughs> well, <laughs> He's our token. Uh, here I am. Yeah, I'm the token. token I'm, I'm perfectly, yeah. you know what? I'm perfectly Yay. fine with that. I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like the fear is with a lot of these uh, uh, cis white men and people who are in like a sort of religious mindset that they have structured this sort of view of the world that, especially with a religious mindset, that they they have this belief system. And once you start knocking a domino over, like how many other dominoes are going to tip? How many yeah. other things are you going to have to question? How many other, uh, uh, um, uh, yeah, just how much is your life actually going to change? Is it going to destroy your belief system? You know, and that's a big thing that I had to overcome in my, throughout my twenties and early thirties, because I, I grew up in a religious household. I, um, you know, this is my only, the only representative of a trans person that in my life was the Eddie Murphy thing you know what i mean at, at the time that whole thing that blew up across that's that was my only experience with what, with what a trans yeah. person was i mean talk about you know being sheltered and that's just what everybody was sheltered like that and that i knew um you know and, and yeah once you start tipping those dominoes over i have found that as those dominoes have fallen i have become a more loving person uh, a more accepting person, um, a less afraid person, um, a, a person who loves myself more, um, like understands ourselves more, understands I, ourselves more, yeah. understands yeah. humanity in general more. Uh, like it's not, I'm, I don't feel like I'm living in, in a box where I only see one, one thing and I stare right. at that one thing and I'm blinded by that one thing. And I'm afraid of literally everything else. Yeah. And like, I, I can't imagine still living my life like that. And I, and I look at other people, specific, very specific people in my life, unfortunately, 
who are afraid of that and and you see them lash out with yep. you know because they're afraid of that you know once they you, you you reach them with a little bit of a kernel of a truth or understanding and you can sense that you are and then you see the backhand coming to smack it all away and and there's a lashing out there's an an anger or a, a condemnation um you know presented back at you again you know and and uh yeah yeah i mean as you were saying earlier tilly and as yoda said when i was a kid you know fear leads to anger and anger leads to yep. a very real dark side and that's it does it's a very real thing that we see present in in this sort of ongoing uh crisis i'll call it a crisis because it is it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. uh you know and, and, the, and the more you push back against this these political figures and the, these religious figures as i hope they take their dying gasps here the stronger they're going to lash out in these in these few moments in these final moments to take away yeah what they're most afraid of and that's not being the center not having that first domino tipped mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah i mean like reading your words reading your book seeing in your book your happiness mm-hmm. uh at, at experiencing moments like the twirl yeah really dress go spinny yeah dress go spinny like that's <laughs> amazing that's amazing i'm that made me so happy to read like i glowed reading that somebody else was happy and i yeah. don't i don't know why religious people in these men's groups are afraid to take that step well, it's 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 it boggles my mind honestly it boggles yeah. my mind i'm glad that you mentioned all of this though because i think the movies speak to it very specifically in the ways that they show you that uh, cisgender white men are the ones who extract all the power from everyone else by keeping society this way. Mm-hmm. And the only way they can do that is by fooling everyone and themselves into black and white, mm-hmm. the false dichotomy, the gender binary. And that's why they fight so hard to keep it that way and why they don't have the tools for that kind of self-examination because society has conditioned them not to because they are rewarded at every step of the way for everything. The world is set up to reward cis white men for everything. The the, the whole uh, mediocre white man failing upward, right? It's a thing for a reason. Um, so they don't, a lot of them don't have a reason to look inward and they're scared of it because they're, they're scared of what they're going to find that is different from what they've been led to believe their entire lives. And like you said with the dominoes, if one of those things is not true, what else isn't true? And that's why I think you see them coming for trans people so much because our very existence shows that that's not true. Mm-hmm. The world said I was a boy and they were all completely wrong. And if I can be a woman, live as a woman and be happy and show that joy as a woman, it disproves the entire thing. And that is a threat to them and their power. Right. So if they um, live on a very sketchy scaffolding of being taught that that this one particular version of masculinity is the only thing acceptable to them in society yeah not only are they getting rewarded for it but they're also conditioned to know that if you lose any element of that even by just crying in public you know the most innocuous thing you could possibly do then you will lose all credibility yeah you're punished for your in your masculinity and that that is the only thing keeping you propped up in society Mm -hmm. yeah 
you know the amazing thing too that i i say all the time is like um when uh you were all talking about how much you better you've felt you've gotten to know yourselves and who you are one of the greatest things i think um that cis people can do is uh it takes a little bit of courage and uh, maybe a little bit of time and a little bit of money but get some clothes from a different gender and put them on and look at yourself and see how you really, really pay attention to how you feel, to to what's going on in your head and your heart at the time. Because the thing about it is it may absolutely confirm how incredibly cisgender you are and how beautiful would it be for you to actually know that about yourself. You don't have to wonder, it's not just what they told you, it's actually who you are and you know it to be true. And if if putting on the clothes of a different gender makes you feel bad it makes you feel kind of gross like your skin's gonna crawl guess what you're getting a tiny little taste of gender dysphoria you're getting a little window into what it's like to be a trans person imagine seeing that all the time every day all day long in every mirror every photo people treated you like you were that person who you're not you're getting a little little taste into what it's like to be trans. But you, there's also the flip side of it, the, the dress go spinny that uh, trans women have, uh, so wonderfully named, um, <laughs> where we twirl in a dress or a skirt because it gives us more euphoria because we can see it moving and can feel it twirling around us. Cis people can experience gender euphoria too. It is one of the greatest things in the world. If you put on... Uh, 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 Philip, if you put on a suit or or whatever uh, you have, maybe it's even just a t-shirt and a pair of shorts, but you're like, God, I feel so good. That's gender euphoria. If you put on a dress or you do your hair uh, to go to like some fancy event, you're like, this is my, you know, my charisma's flying. I'm, I'm feeling so good. That is gender euphoria. Yeah. And it, it's an amazing thing, an absolutely amazing thing that everyone in the world should feel and enjoy and do everything you can to get it as often as you can, because that's that's life that's that's happiness it's pleasure it's Mm -hmm. just the joy of existence i love that that's amazing it makes me think of i mean this is on such a small scale but um when i originally chopped my hair off this is now about almost 10 years ago that i cut it all off um i felt so amazing yeah it was like this is what I'm talking about right now. Um, and even that, right? Just cutting my hair, this is not like an outrageous style for a woman to wear at all. No, but it's very um, cute. There was oh. so many opinions. Oh yeah. Yeah, the backlash for a and woman I having And I remember short at hair. the time people saying, but don't men like women with long hair? And I remember thinking, like, what is what men like have to do with it? <laughs> yeah. Especially since I, at the time, I was married, yeah. I was like, what a weird question. Yeah, it's your hair. Yeah, and yeah. also, it was just, it really was. I mean, it was the beginning of of me really coming into my own identity, just in general. Sure. I think that was the beginning of my real um of like my real understanding as a lived experience the um just the weight of 
gender definitions and constraints and these proposed conditions and limits. Um, And when I think to all of the, you know, all of the women that I knew, certainly at the time that the matrix came out, who were just loving Trinity. Oh yeah. Such a badass. And, you know, she's the one who's coming in and saving the day and kicking ass. And I was like, that is also you moving away. You wanting to drop this gender bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Like we want to drop it. And I just wish so much for the world where that happens. And so much of what you create helps us get there in such a huge way, like a real tangible in the moment kind of way. Um, for in, in every, across the board for everybody, not just for, um, you know, not just for the trans community, but for the, the community, everybody, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Gosh, a hundred percent. I mean, I was reading through in preparation for chatting here today, I was reading through, you had shared, um, a really beautiful mess message from a trans Tuesday reader or listener. I can't remember, but with their permission, who said that, um, one of your trans Tuesdays really helped them to identify for the first time that they might be trans and that it brought them a a new kind of peace that they hadn't felt before. Um, And I mean, I can't imagine a better, I mean, reward is even the wrong word, but a better, like that's, that's the win, you know, like that's the win. It isn't, oh, I got a TV deal or, oh, I have a million billion dollars now. It's like something like that's priceless, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was just like, man, Hilly is out here doing the freaking good work. <laughs> I'm trying. I just, you like, know, I want people to, I guess I've experienced myself so much joy in life just finally getting to be who i am the 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 weight of the dysphoria and having the wrong body is mostly gone for me and it's such an amazing feeling and if i can do anything to help any other human get there uh, i'm gonna do it like one of the the there was somebody who just this past week um just saw the announcement uh about my about this book coming out and they were so excited because they said the original threads had helped them take the step to get the top surgery that they had always wanted as part of their transition. And because of getting that surgery, they'd slept better and more peacefully in the past year than they had in their entire life. And stuff like that just, it just kills me. It's so beautiful. It's that's all I want for every human out there is to just be themselves and live their truth and their life, you know, be who you are. And, and, I want that for cis people too, because so many times it's just your life goes unexamined. You don't look into these things. And when you really do, you can find the real truth of who you are. And that can be kind of scary for all of us sometimes because you don't know what's in there, but it's really good to know. A hundred percent. I know we're talking a lot about the matrix and everything here, but I'm, yeah. I'm curious for, you know, for the listeners who are now like, uh, Tilly has a lot to say about the Matrix. Maybe we should revisit the Matrix again. 
Are, yeah. are there any other works of fiction or films or anything like that? Oh my gosh, I was just going to ask. That you, you would, just that, cleared that, me. That you would direct people to. <laughs> you you just cleared me we were, in a very we strong and decisive way. <laughs> Job fell. Thank you. Um, okay, so if you want to, if you're looking for other media hmm. uh, that's about trans stuff in a good way, um, there's two specific things that are very recent that I would mention. Um, the first of them is uh, the new Quantum Leap sh uh, reboot show. Mm -hmm. I believe it was episode 12. Uh, it just finished its first season. And it, the episode is basically standalone. So you don't have to watch 11 episodes to get up to it if you just want to watch this episode. But it's uh, the entire episode was uh, it centers around a trans girl on a high school sports team. It deals with it very well. Uh, it was written and directed by a trans woman. It's got multiple trans women on screen. And um, it's got this, this really, really impactful, beautiful scene of uh, trans kids at a support group and their cis parents in a support group at the same time talking about what it's like and what you want for your kids when they are trans. And it's really beautiful and it's really, really well done. So I would highly recommend that. There's a lot of joy in there. It does not I mean, it is a 48-minute um, semi-procedural show, so you could only do so much, but um, it gets everything right, and it's really beautiful, and it explains some of the difficulties that we go through. It, it touches on, like, 10 different aspects of the way we're treated and how difficult that can make life for us. Um, so that's highly recommended. Um, the other thing that I saw uh, that I would highly recommend, but it's... It's really complex and, and a difficult watch is the new um, Queerest Folk reboot, uh, which was on Peacock, which uh, the new Quantum Leap reboot is also on Peacock. So Peacock's out there doing some good, good queer stuff. But um, it only had one season and it got canceled. And it is a, a very difficult watch, not because it is bad, but because it deals with the queer community coming together and trying to recover after a club shooting. Um, so because of that, it took me a long time to get through because it is really hard. Uh, it's so well written and acted. It's really hard to see people like you going through something so horrible, but it's got moments of joy. It's got moments of beauty. It's got difficult, tough moments. There's one episode. I, I think it was episode six. I'm kind of forgetting the number now, but I think it was ep episode six that spoke to, uh, there, there's a, a trans woman is one of the main characters. And uh, it does flashbacks and it uh, she plays herself pre-transition, which must have been really difficult to do. Um, but it shows aspects of the trans experience, uh, especially pre-transition, knowing you're trans or wondering if you're trans and, and how hard that can be uh, so specifically and so deeply. And this is not allegory, right? This is surface level. This is what this is. Uh, in a way that I've never seen before. And it absolutely, uh, I don't know, it filled and broke my heart all at once. It's beautiful. Um, and that episode uh, actually, and the showrunner of that show was um, Jacqueline Moore, who wrote the foreword to my book. So um, definitely check that out, um, but don't, don't be afraid to pace yourself because a lot of it can be very heavy. Um, the cast is wonderful. The writing is so good, but it's... Um, you have to be in the right emotional space for it because it is very weighty stuff. Yeah. Good cool. recommendations all. 
Well, that was going to be I my think... very last question was what else do you recommend? <laughs> um, but if there's any final thoughts or final questions, Phil or Claire. No, no, I, you know, I just love every moment of this. I was so excited oh. at the beginning mm -hmm. of, of your posting these Tilly. I was just, because it just felt so like, oh, of course. <laughs> um, but to just get the very, to have this be a, a vehicle for you to describe for us, Tilly, what the things that are important, the things that you're going through, it was just, it was really, it's been a really delightful way to experience, um, like just your head and your heart and, and all of that. And, you know, it was so, I know, so difficult for you to begin a transition in the middle of a pandemic. And we yeah. were all so separate at the beginning of that process. And I just, I love the fact that you've put yourself out there. I know that's work that you've done um, and that you deserve credit for. Um, but just the meaning that it's had to the rest of us who know you through this whole process, just to be able to hear your voice um, in this way has been just a delight. Like, I don't have anything else to say about it. It's just delightful. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. You know, I just, when I was, I was pretty sure, like 99.5% sure I was trans in 2015. And I knew I couldn't do anything about it until 2020. And trying to find more information about trans things or about gender or just about how do you figure out who you really are on the inside? Any of these kind of things. It's really hard to find that stuff out there. And so um, like, I just wanted to make, if, if I had had this resource when I was trying to figure it out, my life would have been so much easier. Um, so I just wanted to hopefully be able to give that, you know, mm -hmm. to other people, give them what I didn't have. Uh, just a little something to know that you're seen and you're out there. And like these movies, especially, uh, they see you, they see all of us trans and cis alike, and they they they're they're just a blueprint for how to how to be better humans i i i guess my my final thought would be uh you know there's a a theme in the matrix movies uh about sacrifice like yeah. sac sacrificing i mean sometimes like horrible sacrifices that needless sacrifices you know but other way in other ways there's helpful sacrifices you know putting like you've you put yourself out there tilly and i, I think other artists and and people have put themselves out there to help other people. And, and that's, that's a word that, I mean, that's a sacrifice. You're, you're sacrificing to some, like you were saying earlier, it was hard to put yourself out there a little bit to those personal elements. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a sacrifice you're making um, to, to help better other people, to help other people understand things. Um, and that's something I'm learning from you is that, those sacrifices, even though they can be difficult sometimes, and even though you may lose a connection with someone else, that's that sacrifice you're making. I think it's all much more worthwhile in the end. Those 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 little sacrifices that you make along the way. So thank you, Tilly, very much for all this. Everything. Well, thank you. It's yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard for all of us, right? We're all just as long as you remember that all of us 
are just trying our best. You know, we're all just humans doing the best we can. And so I think, you know, kindness and compassion all around goes a really long way. 100% agreed. This podcast has Uh, cured my jet lag. Yay. (laughs) It has cured so many of my ailments that I had to recording this morning. Um, uh, thank you, Tilly, so much, not just for being here, but for all of the work that you do and for, um, you really do have like what I think is the greatest kind of generosity, which is just a generosity of spirit and a generosity of self. Um, and it really is like, it really is what will change the world. I just believe it so thoroughly and it inspires all of us, um, to be just as generous. So, um, we say a big thank you for being here, for being you and, um, for writing this incredible book. Um, and also (laughs) (laughs) crying is so good. Usually it's Philip who's crying. Yeah, normally. I almost did a little bit earlier. I almost. Did I know. A little I bit caught earlier. a moment yeah. there where you I, I'm were sure wavering Claire, a bit. Yeah, there was a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Um, this has been such a fantastic conversation, and hopefully, maybe we can all get together again um, when the book is officially out in June to do another sort of recap, and um, we can have Justin and Lisa back. They were so sad to have missed um, this recording but they're with us in spirit. Um, and also I want to say here a massive thank you to our listeners. Um, and um, where's my information about this? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. So yes, Tilly, if, if people want to read more of your weekly trans Tuesdays essays um, on the experience of being trans in our society, where, where can, where can our listeners find you? Where can they um, follow and, um, get all of the goods. Well, I am on Twitter at Tilly Bridges. All my trans Tuesdays get posted there first. Um, I also post them to Facebook and Hive and Mastodon and probably some other social medias that I can't remember. Instagram, they're all, I'm, I'm basically everywhere. Um, but I also archive them all, um, at tillystranstuesdays.com. They're broken down by category. There's one section that's all about um, cis allyship for uh, cis folks out there who want to uh, learn how to be a better ally. Um, The other sections are just like basic. uh, It's trans 101, all the basic things about being trans. If you you just don't know those things and you want to, Um, there's a whole section about what trans life is like. There's a section about trans representation in media, which is where these uh, matrix things originally came from. Um, and that site has links to all of my social media feeds. So you can find those all there. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Tilly is accessible everywhere. Y'all <laughs> go and get. At I'm too much things. everywhere. Yeah. I'm you, very online. If you can't find it, it's your own fault. It's your Let me own tell you. fault. Your own fault. Exactly. But we'll yeah. definitely put all of these things in our, in our show notes. So wherever you're listening to this, go to the show notes and, and you'll be able to get all those links. Um, and most importantly, Tilly's book, Begin Transmission, The Trans Allegories of the Matrix, releases on June 27th, 2023, but it is available for pre-order everywhere right now. Yep. Um, and I think I saw pre-order on Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all of all of the places, it looks like. Yeah, all of the places. There's hardcover and softcover right now. 
Uh, digital pre-orders should be coming soon, my publisher keeps telling me, and there will at some point be an audiobook, but I do not know exactly when that will be available. Nice. Nice. I am so I was wondering about that. going to until then. Yeah. Come back and listen to this episode. Gee, I wonder if they'll be able to find someone who can narrate that audiobook that uh -huh. has professional audiobook, you know, cred like Tillian. Anyway, hmm. I'm just noting another oh. one of your amazing talents. Um, I'm so going to get the hardcover. Yeah. I can't wait. Excited. Woo! All right. Um, that is all that we have for y'all today. And it is a whole lot. So I hope that everybody listening listens to it again and again and shares it with all of the folks everywhere because this is one of my favorite conversations I think we've ever had on this podcast. Indeed. Um, so thank you so much for listening. If you want to keep up to date on all things Popsicle, really the best thing you can do is follow us at Popsicle Pod on all the social medias or wherever you get your podcasts or join our very real newsletter that exists at popsiclepod.com. That's P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. Um, this has been a Popsicle podcast production. One of the best. <laughs>